Welcome to the Bad Roman Podcast. On this show, we talk with veterans, community leaders, Christians, and non-Christians as we explore the entanglement of Christians with the state. The Bad Roman Project was created out of the firm belief that as Christians, we are called to follow Christ, not the state. Here is your host, Craig Hargis. Hey folks, can the labels Christian anarchists and Christian voluntarists be used interchangeably? Can one be relevant without the other? Let's talk about that today. Sarah and Jeff Perry, co-president of Voluntarism in Action, joins me today to answer these questions and tell us all about the fantastic work they are doing. Let's go. Yeah. Left, right, left, right, left. We got our marching orders, man. Left, right, left, right. We'd rather serve God than serve Caesar, you know me? Sarah Perry, my brand new friend, how are you doing today? Doing good. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. And now Jeff is here with us today. Jeff, how are you doing? Hey, Craig, I'm doing okay. Thank you. Um, Sarah was telling me in messaging that she had heard about the Bad Roman from her husband, which is you. <laughs> so I'm always kind of curious. And and I asked you before we started recording, how did you hear about us? You're like, I don't even remember. And I hear that all the time from folks. And I ask them, like, how? it's not because I'm trying to stroke my own ego or anything, but it's always fascinating to me how far reaching the internet can be. You know, my, my producer sends us stuff from time, sends me stuff from time to time about people listening in different parts of the world. And, you know, we're rising in the charts in a place called Petonia right outside of Russia. That's fascinating to me. I don't know. I didn't know they could speak English there, but apparently they listen to a redneck in Petonia talk about Christian anarchy. And I think that's awesome. So it's always cool to hear when somebody has heard about the bad Romans. Yeah, and our, our anarchism sphere is kind of like a small world. So I feel like we'll all hear about each other eventually through other anarchism pages and stuff, maybe through, uh, what's the other Christian anarchy podcast called? Anarcho-Christian. Anarcho-Christian, mm-hmm. maybe so. Anarcho-Christian. Stephen, Stephen Rose is a good friend of mine, and I've never met him face-to-face, but I've got his phone number. We, we'll chat from time to time. And he was actually... When I first got introduced to Christian anarchy, I thought I had discovered something brand new. <laughs> like I was the first Christian anarchist on the face of this planet. I never heard of Leo Tolstoy, nothing. But I was studying, you know, studying the Bible and then starting to hear from uh, anarchists in these libertarian circles. thought they were nuts. <laughs> but the more I listened to them, if you could pin them down and have a, you know, a conversation with them without being without one of them being snarky yeah (laughs) in return you know anarchists are snarky by nature i guess maybe but if you could pin them down and have a a conversation you could learn something from them and the more i listened to the philosophy and started understanding i was like you know what this sounds a lot like my faith you know when i was coming out of neoconservatism you know i was that guy the deep red guy the 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 back the blue guy. I was, I was that guy. I mean, I had a back the blue bracelet I would wear and I was proud of that stuff. You know, I was, I was, that was that guy. Everybody we make fun of now, that was me at one time. And when I discovered this, I was in this Dave, I don't know if you are familiar with Dave Ramsey, but I was in, in this Dave Ramsey Facebook group and they don't allow political talk very much in there, but somehow this thread started and they were all saying they're, statism stuff. And I was like, you know what? I think I'm an anarchist. (laughs) And somebody 
said, have you heard of anarcho-Christian? I'm like, no, but I'm intrigued. Then I got linked up with the Facebook group, anarcho-Christian, or the first, the Facebook page, and then anarcho-Christian group. And I was blown away. I was like, oh, I'm not the only one. <laughs> There's more people out there. I didn't discover something new. I'm just coming along now and trying to catch up. And it was a whirlwind. You know, when I first moved to Memphis, I was still what you would call a status, I guess. The first thing I did was register to vote when I moved here. I haven't voted since 2016. I wanted to get involved with the libertarians in the Memphis area to kind of help them get elected to rule over other people because I thought that was the best way to go about things, you know, because libertarians had it right. Mm -hmm. I'm no longer part of that garbage, right? But the idea of getting involved with with other anarcho-Christians or Christian anarchists, Christian voluntarists, whatever you want to call it, it's awesome to me. Like, you know, you, you almost, it almost, at first I felt like a stranger in this world. Like you're, I'm going to walk out the front door. Like I, I can sit in my house and, and read this stuff and be like, be alone about it. But then you can find somebody else on the internet. And then there's more people on the internet talking about this. Then you walk out the front door. It's like, oh, there's the world out there. Yeah. They're going to think you're crazy. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so hard to transition, but it's nice to find a community, even if it's online of people who think the same. That's true. It's kind of depressing to have to go back to the uh, so-called normal world where people just don't uh, take all of the things that uh, they just take it for granted that the state is everywhere and that's just how it is. And that's the way things are so much that they don't even consider it like a fish swimming in water and they don't even know they're in water. It's just it's just what's here, and it's, it's part of their world, and it's part of what they what they know. And it's, I mean, I mean, I, I'm sure I don't know if y'all can say the same thing, but for me, that's what I knew. Yeah, you know, I didn't get politically involved until the year 2000. Like prior to that, I had no interest. Like, I, but I was always against abortion. I always thought that was a bad thing mm-hmm. against it. And then I decided, you know, maybe I'll vote, but I didn't know what team I was on. And then I heard Republicans talking against abortion. Yeah, I was like, oh, maybe maybe I'm a Republican. Yeah, the abortion um, issue brought me to the Republican Party when I was getting interested in politics, too. But that was pretty much the only thing that I aligned with them with. But then they, you know, they don't deliver and they're hypocrites about it. Yeah, that's how they get people. Both parties Mm -hmm. is they they pick big issues that emotional issues, emotionally driven and that they can trick people into thinking that are going to be good. Like, oh, we want to take care of the poor. So then they can rope people into believing in free health care or we want to stop people from killing babies. So, oh, I must be a Republican then. We want but, to save uh, the planet. So <laughs> I yeah. must be a leftist. Yeah. And then they don't, they don't consider the other things that they're packaging along with that. And they don't consider how they're going to achieve those goals, which is inevitably by putting a gun to someone else's head and threatening them. Hey folks, we have set up a very simple way to donate to the Bad Rumor Project through SpotFund.com. Just go to SpotFund and search No King But Christ. This has become necessary to continue to provide a quality podcast and keep production costs down as well. Just five or ten bucks a month will go a long way in helping us keep this project going and continue spreading the very basic message of no king but Christ. So if you like what we were doing and can find it within your budget, go to spotfund.com and search no king but Christ, and you can set up monthly donations or even donate one time. Any and all donations help more than you know, 
And as always, any donations above production costs will go directly to charities in Memphis, Tennessee. Thank y'all so much. Now back to the show. Let's start here. Let's start with some background from both of y'all. Um, whatever you want folks to know about you, and then we'll get into the uh, the thread that how me and Sarah got connected. And then Sarah, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, and then Jeff can tell us about himself, and we'll go from there. Well, I grew up in South Carolina. We've lived all over the country because Jeff was in the military for a while. You told <laughs> my shame. Oh. <laughs> I was telling him earlier, it's like um, the publicans and the scribes were like the most hated Christian um, converts early on. All the people who used to work for the government are like the most hated anarchist converts when you should be celebrating those converts the most because they came out of the beast and they got to see the government corruption firsthand and um, have three children and I unschool them. We live on five acres now and homestead a bit. We have 23 ducks. I lose track of yes, the number. Okay. 23. Because we we hatched more in the spring and then we sold <laughs> some and we bought some. and yeah. yeah. So we get duck eggs and they're delicious and just mm. trying to live as freely as possible. I've never had a duck egg before. Like I like I eat eggs almost every day now, and I've never had a duck egg. Or what's the difference in a duck egg and, and a a chicken egg? The duck egg has more fat and less water, more protein as well. So it tastes different protein too. Different proteins too. So it tastes richer, but the texture is a little bit different, especially if you're cooking just the egg, like hard cooking it, scrambled and mixed in with stuff you can't tell a difference in taste so much there's less water in it so it'll cook faster and Easy yeah. to overcook if you're used to chicken eggs yeah and they're bigger the shell is much thicker oh it's, yeah <laughs> it's difficult to crack if you're not used to cracking a duck egg and if you're allergic to chicken eggs you can probably eat a duck egg really because the protein is different yeah that's what we've people have got duck eggs from us who couldn't eat chicken eggs? Yeah, sought us out for that. So say say something about the texture. I had this guy at work. He, he, sometimes his daughter raises her own chickens, and sometimes he'll bring me a dozen eggs. You know, right off like fresh eggs. And if you eat like a fresh egg compared to a store bought egg, I told him I said the flavor's different, the texture's different. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they're doing to it to get <laughs> eggs to the grocery store to make them different. But right, right off the farm there where it's at the birds diet the birds diet if they're like pasture raised like ours that means they can just roam all over freely eating bugs that makes the yolk much more flavorful richer color more nutrients length of time also makes a difference because they have to be shipped from the factory farm to the store that takes more time and and they clean the bloom off that's true so it's nice that you can have eggs by going to the store, but they're not the same quality as a freshly laid egg. But Well, somebody told me one time, they said, as much as you eat eggs, you should raise chickens. I was like, <laughs> I don't have time. Like, it's, I mean, I understand it, but I don't have the time to raise chickens. When I was a kid, we had some Rhode Island red chickens, beautiful chickens. And the chicken house was nasty. I remember going and picking up these 
picking these eggs up, taking them back to the house. I'm like, I'm never eating eggs again. <laughs> and now all I do is eat eggs. You know, I mean, it's, it, I remember when, when the inflation stuff started and I was like, you know what? I can survive this because I love eggs. I'm just going to eat eggs. And then all of a sudden, because I'll buy them 60 at a time, and all of a sudden, 60 eggs were costing me $22. Hmm. I'm like, I used to be able to buy these for $7. And now they're back down to like 5 or $6 for 60 which is happy for me. I mean, I'm, I'm excited about that. But the the idea that, but, but trying to raise chickens is not <laughs> in my timeline right now. I mean, I, I mean I'd love to have somebody else do it for me. That's what I would love is for somebody else to do it for me. Find a local chicken lady and mm-hmm. buy eggs from her. <laughs> well, that's funny you said that because, all right, so when I when I leave out of my neighborhood to head to work down Highway 64, I noticed on the way home one morning, there's a sign. It says, fresh eggs here. And it was just a, like a homemade sign with arrow, like pointing down this dirt <laughs> road. I'm like, all right, how is this like you enticing me into a, a van with candy like where am I going what am I what am I running into here like because I like eggs I mean I mean you're not offering me tacos if you said tacos I'm there I mean I'm, I, no matter if you're gonna murder me or not I'm gonna go chase down some tacos but eggs I mean I might be a little curious where you're leading me to <laughs> yeah it's probably probably legit and that's one of the best ways to get good eggs especially since uh not going to pay any taxes on them. Person probably doesn't have a permit to sell eggs. So you're mm-hmm. fighting the man and getting good eggs. Yeah. Yeah. We do like to do that, but kind of subvert the state. So any way we can. Mm-hmm. Yep. Agorism. Agorism. That's another, another thing we could talk about too. That's another term that I was new to when I became a Christian anarchist, agorism. Yeah. Somebody even told me one time, I was like, the way you talk, you sound like an agorist. I'm like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> we had some agora goats when I was a kid as well. Is that, are you talking about that? And I was like, no. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many new terms and definitions to learn when you join the philosophy movement. Right. And that's what we're going to talk about here in a minute. But before we do that, Jeff, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself as well? I mean, Sarah said you came out of the beast and, you know, in the military. And I always like talking to uh, folks who are part of the military. I've had them on the show. I do it on purpose because I think it's important for Christians, especially who are still kind of stuck in the statism mindset to understand that, okay, not all these veterans or former military are like-minded like you think they are they're, they're they're coming out of that stuff for a reason because they've seen this stuff they've seen the beast like <laughs> like sarah said a while ago she, he came out jeff you came out of the beast and when i, I talk talk to these vets who saw war saw the ugliness of this and saw what happens and they're like but i'm a christian something's not lining up here and I don't think I can do this anymore. I did, it's not making sense to me. And so maybe you can talk about that a little bit, Jeff. I don't know what your experience was in the military or not. This is the first time I've got a chance to talk to you. So whatever you want us to know, let us, let us have it. Sure. Well, I went, I went into the military partly because I wasn't sure what else to do. Now I, my dad was in the military and I has Sarah and I were married at that point And needed a job to support a family. So I went into the military and it was okay at first, get paid pretty good, of course. Uh, I had some friends who were anarchists themselves and were very non-judgmental to me. 
although they were, of course, judgmental of the state and the military broadly. Uh, but that was, I think, important because if you're judgmental of someone, that can shut things down very quickly. Mm-hmm. But they were not. But they knew that I liked reading. And so one way or another, they uh, recommended to me, I liked dystopian novels. Who doesn't, right? Uh, so they recommended Atlas Shrugged to me. And so I read Atlas Shrugged. And it was fantastic. And mm-hmm. I identified with a lot of the things that she said, a lot of the themes in the novel. And then I started reading, wanted to read similar things about the interesting ideas that were in there. And so I started to read more and more different things from Isabel Patterson and Ludwig von Mises and Murray Rothbard and Hans Hermann Hoppe and more and more. And at first, was kind of resistant to some of the ideas. Oh, it can't can't be all that way, like they're saying. There's, because I was so used to thinking about things in a different way. You know, well, the, the state does, does some good things. You know, is the military, of course, and such and such national defense. But the more I thought and the more I read, the fewer excuses were left. It got to the point where I could only, where I eventually came to, could only justify my decision of staying in the military as a kind of guiltily feeling bad about it, but also thinking, well, at least I'm I'm taking some of their money and feeling like I dislike them. And then uh, I was working in a hospital. I was a medical officer. You know, I could see even the problems just inherent in the bureaucracy of the military and of hospitals, how the hospitals, but both because of the military system and the state medical complex, how they hurt people more often uh, than they helped them. They weren't healers. They were managers of illness. And then COVID happened. Very quickly, I was left with no excuse at all anymore because I had been trained in medical research. And now I no longer trusted what the state said. So I could see through what was happening and I could look at the studies and I could see none of the things they're doing make any sense. This is going to be very bad for everybody. And I would try to, I I would see how things were censored. I would see how articles that I was able to download one day that said that masks don't really do anything, how they were gone the next day, scrubbed from the internet. And I took some of the things to like um, peer-reviewed articles showing that masks are not effective at preventing airborne respiratory diseases, uh, viral. And I take them to my leadership and I say, hey, look at all of these studies that we found. I'm not sure that these policies that we're making in the hospital are the right choices. And I just instantly shut down. That's disinformation. You can't share that with anyone. This is this is the research. No, don't you dare talk about that to anyone. And I saw just the, the corruption and the stupidity and the dangerousness of all of it. And on top of that, I got a very strong uh, witness from God that we 
should not be involved in the whole COVID fiasco in any capacity. Not injections, not masks, any of it. And of course, they were mandatory for the military at that time. Yeah, like I said, no no excuse left. And so long story short, I separated, said, I'm out of here. I'm not doing this anymore. Well, good for you. I mean, good for you, man. I mean, because there was a lot of people that just went along to get along. Yeah. And you you said something in the very beginning of all that that I've, I've been rolling around in my head. And you, you, you were talking about some of your friends who were anarchists, hmm. but they weren't judgmental to you. And I think that's so important for anarchists to understand when you're talking to somebody who's kind of trying to figure this stuff out. Don't be judgmental because I'm not that guy. Like, I mean, I've seen it. I've seen it so much in the anarchist community from folks who's folks in the military and bashing police officers. No, don't get me wrong. I'm not happy with cops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not happy with them, but I'm not going to sit there and bash them. But I am going to point out their hypocrisy. Okay. But when somebody's trying to come out of something or not even trying to come out of something, but they're, they're, they're thinking and they're trying to, they're thinking about things. Don't judge them. Do not say, well, you're part of the military. You're bad. You're a cop. You're bad. That is unproductive. That gets us nowhere. If you want more people to come into these circles, you can't act that way towards them. If because, Like I said a while ago, when I started listening to anarchists and you could pin one down that was not a total snark, <laughs> I'll listen to you. I mean, I'll be snarky back. But I'm trying to figure some stuff out. But I need, I need, I have some questions I, that I need answered before I come on board with what you're saying. Yes, doing answers, right? Yeah. And if you're going to be a total jerk to me while I'm asking these questions, I'm out. Mm-hmm. I'll find something else to do. I'm not. In, I, I, I remove myself from drama. I have no time for that. I have four cats that I'd rather hang out with than you if you're going to sit there and judge me (laughs) because I have questions, you know, and I think that so that is such a key point for for anarchists. Anybody listening to this show right now, if you're an anarchist and you're judging somebody trying to come into this movement, stop judging them because you were there at some point. You were there trying to figure this stuff out. You had questions at some point. Exactly. Listen to them. Listen to them. And, and take their questions and answer them the best way you know how, but do not be a jerk to them. Yeah. Anarchists do such a disservice to the movement by acting like a jerk to people. And this is exactly what happened in this thread that Sarah was involved with on this page. I was thinking about that. <laughs> I, was, I was reading this stuff. I was like, don't talk to her this way. She's already an anarchist. She's on your team. That's what I was saying, too. I was like, we're on the same team here. We don't need to be so divisive about this. Yeah. yeah. So so what was that all about? I, I heard about it after the fact. Well, okay. So let's get into that because I was part of a, a Facebook page. I'm not going to mention the name of the page. Folks that are familiar with the Bad Roman and part of our discussion group knows the page. I'm still friends with some of them. But I woke up. I get up around 2 o'clock in the afternoon to get ready for work. I got to be at work at 4.30 in the afternoon. So I get up around 2 to start my day. Pet my cats, get up and wipe the sleepy out of my eye. I pull up my phone to check messages, return messages, and I pull up Facebook. The first thing I saw on Facebook was this post from this page. And I'm going to read the post for, you know, just so people know what, what I'm talking about here. So the post was, what are your thoughts on Christian anarchism? 
would you say it falls under voluntarism? And so I clicked on it. I was an admin on this page and I started reading the thread and a lot of the people commenting, I knew, I mean, they follow the Bad Roman Project. I've known them for a while because of their, my interaction with them because they messaged me about the project and now they're part of the discussion anyway. And I was very proud of how these folks showed up and answering the question, answering this question about Christian anarchism. And then there was this girl, Sarah Perry, and she, she, and, and she said, I was reading her stuff. And then I was watching the page owner interact with her. And I was reading everything Sarah was saying. I was reading everything the page owner was saying back to her. And in this, being a part of this group, I, that we had a, a private chat. I didn't even check the chat. I, mean, I had messages from them, but I hadn't checked it. First thing I did was get on the chat. I was like, hey, I think I'm going to ask this Sarah girl to come on the podcast. She is spot on. <laughs> Everything she's saying is spot on. And I was told I wouldn't support her. And I'm like, I don't know. I kind of like what she had to say. <laughs> she What she's saying is pretty much what I think. I just don't know how to say it so eloquently like she did. <laughs> Like, I don't, I don't, I don't have good words. Sarah Perry has good words. And the way she was, Sarah was laying this out on this thread was fantastic to me. But I didn't read the the comments in the chat before. Like, I didn't read up above. They were already talking about Sarah in the chat. Not they, the page owner was already talking about Sarah in the chat. I didn't read all that stuff. Is the page owner an atheist? I kind of got that impression. Um, or just My understanding is that she was... Uh, used to be a Christian. I don't know if she's an atheist, agnostic, or otherwise. I don't know. I just know that she got burned in the church, and and that happens a lot with the church. We know that. Yeah. You know, that's something we deal with the project, and something that I'm very loud about with the project is to point out to Christians your hypocrisy and treating people like crap. Mm-hmm. So I don't really know the whole story. I just kind of got bits and pieces in conversation with her about it. But one thing I've I've discovered with secular anarchists is they have a problem with Christian anarchists because they think that we are trying to force or force our view on them. And I told her, I was like, I don't know one Christian an- anarchist. Now I'm not, I can't speak for Christian status, uh, but I've not met one Christian anarchist that is trying to force their belief on anybody. Not ever. I've never seen it because there's a word anarchy. We understand what anarchy is. We don't force our beliefs on anybody. And Sarah was pointing this out in this thread. <laughs> it was beautiful. And so the, the the whole thing was so strange to me. Like I told you before we started recording, because I tried to reply to you on the thread. Facebook would not let me reply for some reason, but I had to get ready for work. And I already I had already told them in the chat that I was going to invite you on the show. Then all of a sudden, my, my, my reply went through. And then all of a sudden, I was getting blasted for inviting you on the show. I was like, I already told you I was going to do that. Did my did my mess did my comment my reply finally go through? I was excited, but I never heard from Sarah. <laughs> and so I started. So I found her and I, I messaged her on Facebook, and now here we are. But the whole the whole thread was fascinating to me, and how that went down, I'm very confused because. And I talked to some folks that are, they're still involved with, it, and I told them like, man, I I'm, I don't understand what happened there. I don't understand why I got booted, why I got blocked. I mean, I mean, I got blocked from the page. It was weird to me too, because the initial question I thought was a good faith question. Like, I want an answer to this in good faith. And I was like, okay, well, here's here's an answer then. But it seemed like she just wanted to prove a point that she'd already decided 
what the answer was and any other answer wasn't going to be acceptable. Yeah. I mean, it was like I said a while ago too, that they view us as trying to force our opinion on, on our, on our, our, our faith on somebody. And I, I don't do that. And I don't, I've never seen anybody in the Christian anarchist community do that to anybody, mm-hmm. but that doesn't take away what we believe. And the whole idea of anarchy or voluntarism, this is something Sarah pointed out so well in this thread was it's a voluntary, I voluntarily, voluntarily put my belief in Christ as my king, but I'm not forcing my king on you. And when we use the word king, that really sets them off because like, oh, this is authoritarianism. I was like, wait a second. First of all, I don't view Christ as what you view a king as. Yeah. I view Christ as my partner. I view Christ as somebody who's helping me along and showing me a better way, but he's not forcing his view on me. Christ did not create a robot. He created a human being to make, I mean, we're supposed to, you know, live peacefully. And that's all he's trying to teach us, but he's not forcing that on us. That's true. When I first got into Christian anarchism and just in talking to secular anarchists, that was the one thing I ran into all the time. No gods, no masters. Yeah. And I'm like, well, wait a second. Where did that come from? This, is what, this was something I asked Larkin on the first time I had Larkin Rose on the show. And I asked him at the end, I said, I need to need some clarification on this. I want you to spell this out because you're Larkin Rose. I mean, everybody knows who Larkin Rose is. Let's talk about this. He goes, I don't ever put no gods at the end of it. He goes, you can absolutely have a God as an anarchist, as long as you're not forcing that God on me. Right. And at the same time, there's not one Christian anarchist that's doing this. I don't know one that's doing this. Now, there are some Christian anarchists that that, that kind of lead into like legalism type stuff in the Bible and stuff. And I'm, I'm not down with that either. And so I go back and forth with Christian anarchists on this stuff. And I mean, and I told her at one time in, in the chat, I, said, I get more pushback from Christians than I do from secular anarchists. Yeah. Which is strange. Romans 13. Let's talk about Romans 13. All right, let's talk about it. We've, we've talked about it continuously on the show, you know, but you don't understand Romans 13 if you're going to throw that Romans 13 and then walk away from a conversation. No, let's talk about it. Because when I first got into Christian anarchy, I had to figure out what Romans 13 was actually talking about. I had to go back to and, and read some actual, like the original Greek words of submission and obedience. There's two different definitions going on here. There's one used in Romans 13, and there's one used in Acts 5. There's two different definitions going on here. And once I pinned that down, I was like, oh, you're, you're reading Romans 13 completely wrong. And first of all, you didn't read Romans 12 leading into Romans 13. So. That context is so important. Yeah. Not only context, but looking at the well, immediate context, but looking at the context of the scriptures in general, it's obvious that submission to secular authorities generally, and especially evil ones, is not something that God uh, is a big fan of. Otherwise, the Israelites would still be in Egypt. Moses would have had to submit to the authority of Pharaoh, and uh, there goes everything. Yep. I mean, anarchy is all through the Bible. It's all through the Bible. Mm-hmm. Second Samuel. And, and, and you can see it. Like I said, when I became a Christian, an anarchist, and how I saw how it aligned with my faith, it was there's no way to unsee it now. It's it's all over the place. That happened for us too. We're like, this lines up perfectly. That's true with our beliefs. Yeah. I remember making a post on Facebook when I started understanding the philosophy of anarchy, and I was like, I think I'm an anarchist because it aligns with what Jesus was talking about. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I said that out loud <laughs> on Facebook. <laughs> 
But and then uh, then I was, then a lot of people started agreeing with me. It's like yes, oh, exactly. Well, and then there were some that would message like, "You're crazy." <laughs> How dare you think that? <laughs> Submit to governing authorities, Romans thirteen. I'm like, well, and then I discovered along the way with folks on the show that that submitting to authority or governing authorities in that time, that time, that day and time when when somebody said governing authorities, when Paul said that, they understood that to be demons. I'm like, oh well, that kind of lines up with uh, Jesus rejecting Satan's, uh, you know. Rule, you know, to rule over the kingdom of this world is Jesus. Like, no, I'm not doing that. I've got my own kingdom. Mm-hmm. And if Satan's offering that, we know who's ruling the kingdom of this world. And if you, know, as a Christian, whether anarchist or not, you understand, you see that in Scripture. Mm-hmm. Why would you want to be involved with something that Satan's ruling over? This should be so cut and dry, so clear. I mean, this should be like, but it's not. I mean, I, it's not so cut and dry for people. No, I think because it's so easy to be blinded to be deceived by the government because they've got it's like the fish with the water the fish doesn't know the water is there it's just normal for him and if you're raised in a government school your parents always paying taxes you've got the government roads the government mail government 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 everywhere you would never even consider that it should be something else but on the other hand, if you didn't have all that and some monopoly of thugs came in and tried to take everything over and said, we're the government, we're going to do all of this stuff now and we're going to take your money to pay for it, you would see, oh, no, this is a terrible idea. I don't want you to do any of this. <laughs> if we if we looked at government honestly, it was like, no, mm-hmm. I'm a Christian. And, you know, and, and now I don't even tell folks, when I, when I tell folks that I don't vote anymore, I don't tell them it's because I'm an anarchist. I tell them, no, it's because I'm a Christian. That offends people so much when you tell them you don't vote. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, you can't complain. I'm like, actually, I don't think you can complain because I didn't ask for any of this and you deserve every bit of tyranny that you're fixing to get. Mm-hmm. You asked for it. I don't want any part of it. It reminds me of, a. Um, y'all, are y'all familiar with George Carlin, the comedian? Yeah. I've heard of him, yeah. He talked about that in one of his bits about not not being able to complain if you don't vote. He goes, that's not logical. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that doesn't make any sense. Flip that around. Yeah. And I don't want to paraphrase this bit. If you, you had a chance, go look that up because it's fantastic what he says about, about government and voting and not being able to complain. Um, somebody told me, you, you were talking about something, Jeff, with, um, with the, the roads and government there, government here and all this stuff. It reminded me of something somebody said to me one time very early on in the podcast. And it's always stuck with me. He said, 99% of our lives, we live as anarchists, voluntarily interacting with our neighbor. That 1% is the government that gets in, screws it up, and people obey it. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't make any sense. But if, if without government, we would still get along. And Abby Klegner, who has helped me so much with the show, used to be a, a co-host on the show. She said, it's in our best interest to get along with one another. Now, I understand, we understand that there's bad actors out there. We understand that there's going to be bad people. We get that. But they, and something Jessica Green told me on the show one time, she said, but they will not be able to marshal the same tools that government can right now with the money and the power and the missiles and, the, you know, the, all the power. They wouldn't be able to do that. Yes, there's going to be small bands of thugs. 
you can call that anarchy. That's not anarchy. That's thuggery. Mm-hmm. Anarchism in its truest sense is peace. And Leo Tolstoy lays that out well. I mean, it, you know, when he talks about, you know, especially with Christian anarchism, it's passivism. It's not it's not sitting on a couch, not doing anything. And it's another thing with passivism. It was I was taught to me throughout this project was I was I had a hard time with passivism. You know, I was born in West Texas, raised in West Texas, gun culture. You know, that was my life. I was raised around that stuff. Wouldn't hesitate to put a bullet in somebody's chest if they broke into my house or try to harm somebody in my family or my friends. But when I hear Pat, when I would when, when I would hear passive, it was like, oh, we're just not doing anything. No, no, no. Passivism is actually more active than killing somebody. You're actively working towards peace with passivism. And when it was explained to me that way, I was like, oh, I get it now. I think put, pulling a trigger on somebody is very lazy. <laughs> In my opinion, and that gets you want to get some pushback from your <laughs> from from folks. Tell them don't put, put tell them put their nine millimeter away because you're being lazy. <laughs> that really upsets people. So much, so much of it is in the way that you look at things, and just turning around and looking at things from a different viewpoint can change everything. It's really, really remarkable, but it can also it can also create division. I think by focusing only on because I think we got voluntarism, we've got agorism, we've got anarchism, we've got anarcho-capitalism, mm-hmm. we've got volunteer, I said volunteer, we got a lot of stuff. <laughs> and <laughs> There's a lot of words. Yeah, you can keep track of them. But I think it's all different ways of looking at essentially the same thing. Yes. Voluntarism focuses on the voluntary interactions. Agorism focuses on the market. Anarchism focuses on there shouldn't be rulers, but it's all part and parcel of the same core system of beliefs. But like we saw earlier, when you focus on one specific part of it, no, anarchists don't believe in rulers, and you believe that God is a ruler, so you're not a real anarchist. Then you're driving apart people who 99% of stuff they agree on, and that's a, a losing strategy, a losing worldview, in my opinion. 100%. 100%. And it's something that I, when, when I first came into the understanding this stuff, I, I remember asking a question in that anarcho-Christian group when I was trying to learn this stuff. I asked somebody, I just put a post. I was like, what's the difference in anarchy mm-hmm. and voluntarism? Mm-hmm. And they said, it's the same thing. And Jeff just said it. We're all, it's, it's the same thing. We're just coming, maybe it's just coming about it a different way, but it's all folk. It's all the same goal in the end, at the end of the day. Yeah. That was another thing I talked to that um, page owner about was I asked her, well, what, what do you think voluntarism is? Cause she seemed to be thinking it was something different from anarchy. And she said that, um, well, voluntarism allows for people to voluntarily choose to have a state, which makes it not anarchy. And I'm like, well, if it's truly voluntarism, then they will voluntarily be allowed to choose to be in that government or leave at any time. Right now, we do not have that choice at all. It's vastly different from what we have right now. And just because you have a hierarchy doesn't mean that's not anarchy anymore. And, you, and that's one thing you pointed out so well in this thread. Let's, let's get into the thread a little bit. Let's, let, I, I want to read your very first comment. I'm not going to read it all, but I want to read like the first part of it because it's kind of long. But the first part of it gets the gist. She said, I consider myself a Christian anarchist and voluntarist. 
A voluntarist is just someone who believes all interactions should be voluntary and based on mutual consent, not coercion. A Christian is someone who voluntarily accepts Jesus as their king. A Christian anarchist is someone who realizes that Jesus is their only true and rightful king ever and won't bow to any human earthly authority figures. I voluntarily submit my will to his because I know he would never take something from me without my consent nor ask me to do something wrong. And then you put in uh, parentheses, yes, I know people have different views of God than mine, but this is my view of it. An anarchist is someone who says no rulers, no, not no rules. I reject all earthly rulers and accept the only legitimate ruler to me who is the omnipotent, omniscient, all-loving deity and his rules. I don't know how anybody can find fault in that <laughs> as an anarchist, secular or otherwise. I don't know how you can find fault in that. <laughs> and he even went on to say, as a Christian anarchist, I would not expect everyone to believe the same as me and respect the freedom of choice others have to not accept or follow Christ as their king. I believe in God. I believe God himself respects our individual freedom. How can you disagree with this? I don't care if you're a Christian or not. Probably because I used the word king. <laughs> oh, yeah, that really rubs from the wrong way. I mean, because I'm telling you in the chat when I would use that, I was like, listen, you're you're misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. Just like you said in this comment, I don't recognize any earthly rulers, but I recognize Jesus as my king. Well, that's authoritarian. I'm like, but he's not authoritarian. That's my privately held belief, and it's not something that I'm forcing on you. So it shouldn't matter, and it doesn't matter in any practical day-to-day -day yeah. sense. If we had an anarchist society right now, which we don't, it's all pretend anyway, because we don't. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> it doesn't even matter. <laughs> but if we Cosplaying did... Cosplaying as anarchists. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my life would be the same, because I would behave exactly like you, the secular anarchist, following the non-aggression principle, voluntarist principles. I love That's that. True. It's all pretend. <laughs> we don't have to. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like she's thinking that if anytime there's someone who is an authority figure, then they're an authoritarian. But there's a big difference between Jesus and the state. I mean, if you if you don't pay tithes, Jesus isn't going to come kick down your door and shoot your dog. <laughs> but when somebody tells me that Jesus, that it's authoritarian to, to see Jesus as my king, I'm like, tell me you don't know anything about Jesus without telling me you know nothing about Jesus because he's not authoritarian, <laughs> right? You've not taken any time to really understand that. Well, I've read the Bible. You've read it, but you've not studied it. You've not paid, paid any attention to what Jesus was doing when he was alive, on this, walking around on this earth. No, no. He said, he said I, I stand at the door and knock. And if you want to let me in, you can. He's not, he's not kicking it down, like I said. We have to choose, yeah. And then if you walk away. Oh, no, guess what? He comes and finds you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we saw that throughout the Bible, too. Like when, when the, one, the one, one sheep was lost from the, from the flock. Where did he go? Where did the shepherd go? Yeah. He went and found him. True. And brought him back to the flock. True. It's not because he was forcing you back, because he cares about you. Yeah. It's different. Yeah. An earthly ruler does not care about you. They're not going to come find you and bring you back to the flock because they care about you. They're bringing you back because they need your, mm -hmm. your support of their authority. That's not what Jesus does. Yeah. I think that's why it's so hard for secular people to conceptualize um, God as a good king, because we don't have any. Examples of good rulers. 
on the earth. <laughs> we just have the authoritarians. Well, when you think about like First Samuel 8 in the Bible, when um, the Israelites were demanding a king and Samuel was distressed about it. He told them all the horrible things that were going to happen because of that. Yeah, I told you. And then God's like, they, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. Mm-hmm. And when you mention that, and when you say that, when, when when I tell that to Christians who go and vote, I'm like, you do understand that you're choosing another king over your the one you claim to follow. Come on, man, you've got to read the Bible. If you're gonna, if you tell me you read the Bible, then read the Bible. You're rejecting God. God said that. I didn't say it. God said it. No, no, no Craig. You see, it's a democracy. It's not. It's not a monarchy. Oh. <laughs> so that makes it fine. Yeah. It was just, just monarchy that he was talking about. We are the government, so it's okay. No. Yeah, representative democracy. Nobody rep- They don't represent us. I mean, I don't know. At this point in our lives, if you've been involved, if you've lived past your teens and you see how politics and government works, if you cannot see now how government behaves, they don't care about you. If someone is really representing someone else, then they have to be commissioned directly by that individual or organization. And there has to be power to hold them accountable when they do not do what you want. Yeah. And there is no way to hold the government accountable, except maybe to try to vote someone out after the end of their term, if they're even a politician that has a term. Most of the government is uh, regulatory bureaucrats who are appointed. And you can't do anything about them at all. And that's where we got most of the tyranny during the COVID times was the unelected bureaucrats. Right. And, and Jeff said something about COVID earlier, and I meant to mention this too. And I, folks who've listened to the show knows how I feel about cops. Mm-hmm. You know, that was the last thing for me to let go of when I became an anarchist. Like I'm, I'm still kind of back the blue because I think they're right there doing the right thing. But then they're the, the saw George Ford get mo- murdered. Mm-hmm. I was like, whoa, this is disturbing. Mm-hmm. And then COVID hit, and then I saw how they were treating people during COVID and, and enforcing these not laws, mandates are not laws, by the way. Yeah. And shutting businesses down and ruining people's livelihoods. And, you know, a dad getting arrested in a park for playing catch with his daughter. Think what that did to that child, seeing her father getting arrested right in front of her because they were playing catch in a park. Yeah. That's I mean, dramatic. come on. And that, that COVID was the end of me for cops. Yeah. You know, I trained, I trained jujitsu and a lot of cops train jujitsu. And there's a lot of cops in the, in this gym that I train at. I don't talk about this with them. Now, if they have a question, if they hear me and some of them are friends with me on Facebook and I'm not shy about talking about this stuff on Facebook. Mm -hmm. If they have a question, I'll talk to them about it. They can't arrest me in the gym. I have a, let's have a conversation. I want to talk about it because if you, if you call yourself a Christian and a cop, you need to go read the early church stuff. Yeah. They would have kicked you out of the church. I mean, if you you were not allowed to to have a job that was going to that could potentially harm somebody in some fashion mm-hmm. at all. Roman soldiers were cops. Yes. Yeah. You had they had to they had to now denounce their Roman uh they, they they had to leave the military if they wanted to join the church because the church wouldn't let them in. If you're going to if you have the opportunity to harm somebody the church wouldn't let you in. It was all about peace. And now, now we get, we see this stuff on Facebook, you know, the, with the cops, like on Easter, I saw something one time it was a, it was a police page. Somebody shared it and they're all around like a, a makeshift cross and all the cop cars and all the cops are out there. 
celebrating the you know the uh, the peacemakers or the peacekeepers and stuff. So cringe. And I saw oh you talk about cringe. This stuff grinds my gears now. And so I got on this page and I was like, listen, you do understand it was cops that murdered Jesus Christ, right? Right. Yeah, I'm thinking of that. I mean, as as the Roman police are executing him, Jesus prays to the Father to forgive them because they they don't know what they're doing. They don't know that he's the Son of God. People nowadays who call themselves Christians and are police, they don't have that excuse. They should know better. They should. They should. I want to read a little bit more of, of Sarah's uh, comments, then we're going to get into uh, VIA, Voluntarism Action. But she said, religion as a religion cannot be a ruler in the sense of a state because people can walk away from a religion at any time. They might be afraid to because of the possibility of damnation. But strictly speaking, that's still them choosing voluntarily voluntarily to not risk a po- possible negative future outcome. Religion as an organization cannot cause violence to enforce itself on people without using the state or becoming the state. The problem is the state, not religion. The communists apply the same logic to business. Look at how this business insert atrocity. Therefore, businesses, businesses are evil. But in most cases, they could not per- perpetuate or perpetrate or get away with such things without the state. And we see that so much with the church. Yes. How they use the state to support what they're doing. Or to defend their, man, I get so much pushback from Christians because I don't attend church on a regular basis. Well, me neither. (laughs) It creeps me out. It creeps me out. (laughs) Yeah. It's not because I don't want to be around other Christians, but I can sit in a pew and listen to this stuff. And knowing what I know now, I'm like, no, I want to have a home church. I want to sit in my living room. Let's have some dinner. Let's just, let's, let's do that. That's what we do. Especially if you go around. Veterans Day or the 4th of July, Memorial Day. Then the sermons are all about America. And you'll sing Star Spangled Banner instead of hymns. Have y'all heard me talk about this on the show? I don't know if y'all heard me talk about this or not. A little bit, yeah. A little bit. I remember sitting in a Southern Baptist church, for people who have not heard this, and standing up and pledging allegiance to the flag on Memorial Weekend. I was that At the time, I was still that that guy that I was talking about earlier mm-hmm. didn't phase me. I was like, yeah, we're a Christian nation. This is what we should be doing. And looking back, I want to go punch that guy in the throat and tell him to sit down. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we need to be kind with <laughs> newcomers and people questioning. Got to remember our own backgrounds mm-hmm. and just try to be kind when we're shepherding people into anarchism and Christian anarchism. It's a hard transition. It's a lot. It's a lot to change your mind on, change how you're thinking. You also said this, and I love this. I love this so much. Sarah. I'm going to read this, and I promise you we're going to get into voluntaries and action. I don't want to keep you all too long because I really want to talk about the work you guys are doing. You said, removing the baggage of Christianity, which has too long been tied up with statism. Let's look at it this way. Let's say we finally achieve an anarchist society. Yay. And <laughs> <laughs> it's all pretend. It's all- but there's a group of pagans who believe in a waterfall God, but their God, their God's rules only apply to the people who choose to believe in that waterfall God. And anyone can join or leave their group of believers at will. And the rules of this God do not contradict any anarchist principles. This does not affect the outward behavior of the group completely meshing with the anarchist society because they reject anyone's authority, but their waterfall God and believe 
Their waterfall God will not impose rules on those who do not believe in him. That's Christian anarchism. Yeah. Right there. We don't believe in a waterfall God, but that's, <laughs> that's Christian anarchism. Like we've been saying this whole show, I've said it a thousand times, I think now, we're not forcing our belief on anybody. I would love if everybody came to know Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would love that. But I'm not going to tell them they have to. Yeah. The whole idea of hell is a cringe for me, too, because it's something I've learned along the way. I don't believe like I was taught about hell. I don't believe that any longer. I don't think it exists the way they mm-hmm. told me in these Southern Baptist churches. You know what I'm saying? I don't believe it anymore. Like I said earlier, the early church really ruined me on a lot of things. <laughs> so reading their stuff has kind of changed my perspective. You know, we've got the Bible and we can read the Bible. But the stuff past the Bible, if we could, if you would just take the time to read the stuff these folks were talking about after, after the, the apostles, they're still talking about the same thing. And they're saying it in a way that we can understand a little bit better than we can understand in the Bible. It's not scripture. I understand there's not the authority of the Bible that people want to say, but they were Christians and they understood this prior to Constantine. When Constantine got mixed up with the church, when all that happened, it changed the face of Christianity. And it's not been the same since. Yeah. I've been wondering about the Constantine was involved with the the Creed of Nicaea, those creeds that were made there. And I'm just not sure how, because I don't really believe in those creeds, but I know a lot of Christianity does, but it started with, you know, these statist leaders making up these, okay, this is what we're going to believe. And I don't know how solid of a foundation that is. Well, see, I've got it. That's interesting you said that because I've got a real need to want to be a part of something that can trace their way back to how the early church taught. Yeah. You know, and so and I've got friends involved in the in, or been on the show where they're, they're part of the, the Greek Orthodox Church and I love them dearly. And so I got interested. I went and met with a priest here in Memphis to talk to me about it because I was curious. And I said, I asked him, I said, you can trace. Your beliefs back to the early church, he said, yes. I was like, cool, I'm going to look more into this. Greek Orthodox, he said? Yeah, we just, yeah, the Orthodox religion. And um, so the more I studied the Orthodox church, and, and, and then you talked about the, the, the creeds and the, the, the Nicaea, I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> big, big words for a redneck. Anyway, um, I, I started noticing the statism involved and how Constantine was involved with it. And my, my buddy Paul Perry, y'all, I don't know if y'all are familiar with him. I love this guy dearly. He's part of the Greek Orthodox. And I told him, I was like, man, I can't get past that. I'm so screwed up in the head about this stuff that I can't get past that. He goes, he goes, I can't either. But at the same time, he loves the community. He loves the church. He loves the the traditions and stuff with, with it. And that's awesome. My problem is I'm so stubborn and so bullheaded about things. Once I see something, I'd rather sit at home with my cats. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk about voluntarism in action. This is, you guys, I don't, I don't remember how I heard about you guys. And I think it was on my old Facebook account. Like I told you earlier that before we started recording, I lost that page because I got a new phone and it was tied to an email address that doesn't exist. And I was following you then. And then we connected on Facebook and you told me that you were co-president of Voluntaries in Action. And my eyes lit up when I read that and your 
husband is the other co-president of Voluntarism Action. And I love the work you guys are doing. I'm, I'm really curious because I want to read some stuff off y'all's website, but I'm really curious how how y'all got this started. Because the, when, when I think about what you guys are doing, this is exactly how I envision how a Christian should be behaving and taking into like, because I tell people all the time, I'm like, listen, if you can't physically go help somebody in need, you know, somebody that can, and you can help the cause by donating some money to help the people who can help. Yeah. Right. So I'm kind of curious, how did y'all, how did this start? Well, it started with actually our founder is Logan Davies and um, he started it with a group of friends years ago, I want to say around 2016 or 17. And then I joined in 2019. I was just um, sharing memes for them at that time. (laughs) But uh, eventually I got made a board of director and um, then Logan and the assistant president, Justin, had to step down. Well, kind of step back. They're still involved, but they had some work conflicts. So they handed it over to me and Jeff to keep it going. Just a few months ago, we just took over. It's been a big transition. Yeah. So we can't, we can't take credit for, for most of the stuff. It's the donors. It's the other volunteers. Logan did a lot of work work with us, getting it, um, getting that 501 C3. Yeah. was a lot of work and it's, it's a lot of monthly paperwork and that's some people are mad at us because we're a 501 C3 because, Oh, you're, you know, in the, government beast system or whatever but we did that to make your donation not get anything stolen from it so that it's not taxed Mm -hmm. yeah it's just it's just another black mark against the government that even to help people you have to bow to them and go through their rules and deal with all their malarkey yeah but that's their fault it's not our fault yeah but we did that because we want to make it easier for people to help other people. We want to make it as easy as possible for people to help each other. And so we're facilitating that with our fundraisers and programs. Well, you know what I find so interesting when I, when I talk to folks about charity, and they, I've been told this more than once by leftists and even people on the right, that if it wasn't for the government, people wouldn't be helped. <laughs> I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. I said, because if you if we weren't taxed to our knees, fifty percent of our income stolen from us, mm-hmm. we'd be pretty charitable. Mm-hmm. But first, we have to put food on our own table to make sure we're fed before we can help somebody else. I mean, it, I know that sounds I don't know if that sounds selfish or not, but if we weren't being stolen from fifty percent of our income, can you imagine how much more we could help other people? And with the money, the money that they're stealing from us, they're not using that to help anybody. No. Let's be real about this. They're using it to bomb children in other countries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're enriching themselves and their yeah. buddies. And some of it, some of it does go to help people. And the issue with that is, first of all, it's inherently immoral because the ends don't justify the means. And if you steal from one person to help another person, that's still a bad thing. But also because creates a sense of dependence in the people. On one hand, dependence, and on the other hand, resentment, because you're disconnecting, you're breaking apart the donor and receiver relationship. If you're in need and I personally give you something, then you, we both end up feeling good. 
I feel good because I was able to help another person. I saw their happiness. You feel good, not only because your needs have now been met or at least helped along that way, but you also feel a little bit responsible. Now that you've received this as a free gift, you want to do a little bit better, be a little bit better, lift yourself up. But the government completely breaks that. It creates resentment because you just get your money stolen from you. You don't have the joy of giving to someone else. And the person who's receiving is just getting it from a faceless organization as um, almost a, like a benefit or a right that they think. Just something that's due them. And only if you meet certain qualifications. So mm -hmm. They don't even help everyone who actually needs help. Yeah. And so it destroys that the humanity of the giving while also undercutting the organizations that help voluntarily because now they have to compete with an organization that has essentially unlimited money, the government, because they can always steal and print more money. And how do you compete with someone that has unlimited money? There used to be hundreds and thousands of charities and mutual aid associations and all kinds of things. But after the early 1930s, 40s, with the, the New Deal, Roosevelt, and all of that, Social Security, the government undercut all of that. And they all had to stop because they didn't have enough money to compete with the government. Yeah, it's something was told to me too when, when we talk about this, like voluntarily helping somebody just feels different than somebody taking that money and helping somebody. Mm -hmm. Voluntarily helping somebody is also good for the giver. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Does that sound selfish? I don't know if that sounds selfish, but it's I think it's good for the giver as well because it makes them feel good about what they're doing. They, they did it voluntarily. They did it at their own free will to do, you know, to help somebody. Mm -hmm. And it does. The Virtue of Selfishness by Ayn Rand. <laughs> I like <Yeah>. it. <laughs> well, and it's, it's true because um, even going back to, to market theory uh, with Mises and Rothbard, it's still, it's almost like purchasing something. And in a way it is because you're not, giving the person something for nothing. You're giving because you want to. You're giving because it makes you feel happy and good about yourself. And you know, maybe you think that that's selfish and selfishness is bad, but in that perspective, it's not. Uh, it's like with me and Sarah, if I, if I did nice things for her because I felt it was my duty and I had to because I'm her husband that could very easily develop into a resentment. But if I do nice things for her because it makes me feel nice because I love her, but because it makes me feel nice, then that could easily be looked at as selfish. But the root of it is still that love and that caring. Uh, but Ayn, Ayn Rand, again, <laughs> she said, in order to say, I love you, there has to be an I first. If you, if you are first, then you can help other people because it helps you. Instead of the resentment of, oh, I've got to help these other people. 
because that's what I have to do because society or because God says to do it. Um, um, what does it say? God loveth the cheerful giver, and that's someone yeah. who wants to do it, honestly wants to. I don't know, Jeff. You just gave me chills listening to you talk, man. That was good stuff right there, man. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to read something off your website. It says, our mission, Voluntarism in Action, strives to empower and improve the lives of everyone across the globe through charitable, voluntary, and free market solutions. Our vision, to be the premier resource and venue for those who seek to help their fellow man through voluntary compassion rather than coerced altruism. That's beautiful. I wrote that. <laughs> did you <laughs> of course you did we've been talking about all the stuff you write on, on yeah. <laughs> i moved up from memes to editing and writing and then board of director and then um i'm the program director for the education program and then now i'm the co-president and you call yourself an anarchist <laughs> president <laughs> that's right oh it's a buzzword <laughs> we should come up with different titles <laughs> there's something I, I wrote this down last night because I was going through some stuff on, on y'all's website and to date there has been $327,786 donated to Voluntarism in Action to help other people that's fantastic that's pretty amazing I had forgotten it was that much we've got regular donors and supporters who contribute on a recurring basis but we also have charity drives, I guess you'd call them, where there's some kind of a cause and we put the word out, ask people to donate. And sometimes it's a little, sometimes it's a lot. Depends on on the cause. Some always pull in more, like toys for children. If there's a big disaster recently, mm -hmm. then uh, it's easier to for more people to donate just because in their minds more. Mm -hmm. The last one we did was for Maui. Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah. every year we do an education fundraiser where we um, people donate to help primarily homeschooling families, but we don't discriminate. We'll help any low-income public schooling families who just need to afford school supplies. I focus on the homeschoolers because I'm a homeschooler, but also because homeschoolers don't get any help from the government. We get taxed to pay for schools that we don't use. And people always do um, school supply drives for the public school kids, but nobody does anything for the homeschoolers and curriculum can be expensive. So I love the education program. That's my favorite. And that's the one that I'm in charge of. <laughs> well, let me ask you something before I let y'all go. And I want y'all to plug whatever you want to plug so people can find this. Um, and this might be curious for folks listening. If, if people want to get involved and, and, and donate to the cause, how do you guys go about deciding who is donated to or who receives these funds. I mean, do y'all have like a discussion or you just, like you said, y'all don't, y'all help with Maui. How do, how do y'all, how do y'all decide this stuff? Is it like people will tell y'all want to donate to this specific thing or do y'all decide on your own? I mean, how's that work? That's a good question. It's, it's a mixture of many different methods, to be honest. And if we like to help individuals and we have on our website, Forms people can fill out to request aid if they have a bill that they can't meet. Uh, I'm short on money. I can't pay for rent or electricity. Then you can ask for help and yeah, fill out the applications for the different 
there's different applications for every program. And then for something like Maui, we will fundraise for it. And then we will partner with individuals and groups that are on the ground already there at the scene doing things so that we can support their efforts because we can't be right there in Hawaii where the disaster is. And sometimes, uh, of course, humans being humans, there's sometimes the issue of uh, what you might call repeat customers, people coming back again and again in quick succession, uh, trying to get uh, money from us. People like that are pretty easy to detect and we can tell them, you know, we just we just helped you. Here are some other resources that you can go to, but our funds are not set up to constantly support people in that way. There's also... You're not a welfare program, you're a charity program. Exactly, right. exactly. Give people a hand up so hopefully they can mm-hmm. get on their own feet and then help other people too. Mm-hmm. And sometimes uh, people in our volunteer group have a certain ideas or causes that they're passionate about. Uh, One of them that came about, we've only done it once so far, but we're going to do it again this year, is the, we call it the Rooted in Voluntarism campaign. And it's essentially uh, a gardening program where we're able to give people free seeds and gift cards for garden tools, potting soil pots, so that people can grow their own food, their own plants. Promoting (laughs) self-sufficiency. And someone on our team was just passionate about that. And we said, he proposed it. And we're like, this is a great idea. Let's do it. Yeah. And then we partnered with True Leaf Market last time. But this time we found an anarchist seed company (laughs) that we're going to partner with. So we're excited about that. Agorist Acres. Uh, They're really cool. So we've got big plans for the spring. We're going to roll that out. I love it. I love it. And I, and like I said a while ago, when, when I think about what you guys are doing, this is what I envision mm-hmm. exactly would happen in a voluntary society. You know, this is what I what, what I envision what Jesus was talking about about helping your neighbor, loving your neighbor, and even your enemy. You know, this is what I see when Jesus talked about helping the widows and the children. This is what what you guys are doing. That y'all are doing what Jesus instructed us to do as Christians. And I love it. I think it's fantastic. And I want to encourage everybody listening to this to reach out to uh, voluntarism in action. And if you want to help, if you can't physically be there for somebody, but you want to help and follow the, the, what Jesus wants us to do as Christians, reach out to VIA and talk to them about it and see what you can do to help and donate. I, I love what you guys are doing. And before I let you go, why don't you go ahead and plug your stuff and so people can find you and I'll let y'all get out of here. Absolutely. Uh, first, thank you. Thank you so much. It's it's quite an honor to think we're, uh, and we're not a religious organization specifically, VIA. Some of our members are Christian, some agnostic, but yeah, we say we're doing what Jesus wants us to. It's, uh, it's an honor. Thank you. But um, volunteer. Voluntarism in Action is the name of the organization. Our website is viaction.org. So you can check us out there. We've got essays about voluntarism. We've got news items of ourselves. And also we like to highlight other folks who do voluntary actions of charity and helpfulness. We've got news articles about those. We've got fun videos of interviewing folks just like uh, 
we're talking right now. Oh, yeah, what's the name of the podcast? Voluntary View. Yeah, mm-hmm. a Voluntary View. YouTube and BitChute and I think Spotify. Yep, it's on yeah. Spotify too. We're on Twitter or X or whatever it's called now. <laughs> what's the handle for Twitter? Do you remember? Oh, I think it's Act Voluntarily. Yeah. yeah. Uh, our next, uh, we've got ongoing campaigns that people can uh, donate to if they so desire or request help from if you're out there and you need assistance. Anyone who's listening out there, you want to jump in and help us out or even just share our stuff. Yeah, if you can't if out. you can't donate, please go comment and share on the pages because we're pretty <laughs> we're pretty throttled down with the ag- algorithms, at least on Facebook. Yeah, we put out a lot we like to do memes and sometimes I guess we make them too spicy for Facebook. So they like they like to throttle us yeah. throttle us down. But we we cannot be restrained from telling the truth about things sometimes. So <laughs> Uh, every time I click on the Bad Roman Facebook page, there's a warning that they're going to take the page down oh. because the, the and the last yeah. straw for them was me comparing the United States government government to ISIS, <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> and they uh, they said that we don't we we don't promote uh, dangerous organizations. And I'm like, are you sure? Because y'all promoted all this stuff. During COVID, I mean, come on, let's go. <laughs> that's, that's funny. It's funny because if you're looking at total damage done throughout the world, ISIS is objectively not as bad as the United States of America. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I made a meme last night and I posted it today. I was feeling a little ornery. I said that um, I said the U.S. government is the most prolific serial killer this world has ever seen. And what got me to thinking about it, I was on the phone with a friend last night because I and I told Sarah before we started recording, I, I recorded with somebody that's got a podcast about true crime stuff. And towards the end of the show, we started talking about I was like, yeah, but the U.S. government is probably the biggest serial killer we've ever in, in imagined can can imagine. Boom. Yes. Uh-huh. And I was telling this friend of mine on the phone about it last. Night. I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to make a meme. <laughs> and then I text another friend who kind of helps me with his memes. I was like, Hey, what do you think about this? She goes, that's good. <laughs> it reminds me of that Murray Rothbard quote, taxation is theft. Conscription is slavery. War is mass murder. Yeah, for sure. When it's something, when I was with Jason Basler, when I had him on, he said something towards me. He goes, the land of the fee, the home of the slave. Oh, yeah. And I never heard that before. And I was like, is that yours? He goes, no, that's been going around for a while. So I made a <laughs> meme about that, too, because I, I made a meme with, like, just the American flag. I shared that blue. one. <laughs> and I made sure that the blue lettering had the black line around it, kind of put in the, you know, the, the thin blue line stuff, you know. Let's mm-hmm. let's make it obvious. <laughs> I'm having a lot of fun learning how to make memes because I've got a lot of, I told my friend Misty, I, she's, she'll make some memes for us sometimes too. And I told her, I said, you'd be surprised at how many memes I make walking out of the break room at work because <laughs> I'm listening to conversations going on and we got Fox News on in, the, in one corner and my mind is just rolling. Oh, man. And so I'm making memes as I'm walking back to my press to work. <laughs> All you got to do is listen to people talk and you can make a meme out of it. Yeah. All right, guys, I'm gonna let y'all get out. It's a beautiful Sunday. And I want I really do appreciate y'all's time. Jeff, I'm I'm really happy that you got to join us today. I wasn't expecting it. And I think it really added a lot to the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, Greg. I want to do it again, because I want to be updated. You know, I don't know how VIA is doing. Because like I said, a while ago, what you guys are doing, is God's work. And, I, and I'm 
I'm very proud of y'all's work, and, I, and I've known about y'all for a while. And I, I remember thinking very early on in the podcast, like, I want to talk to these people and get them on the show because I like what they're doing. And then I just get busy with other guests and then just kind of went out of mind. And so I think. And Facebook likes to hide us from people. So, yeah. <laughs> and I don't see your page either until, unless I click on it or unless you share it to the group. It's almost like it doesn't exist. I mean, Facebook has done a fantastic job of shadow banning us. And from what I understand, there's no way out of it. So, but I'm still going to post there. We do better on Instagram than we do on Facebook. Um, nice. But. It is what it is. I'm still going to post it and people can, if they find it, they find it. If they don't, they don't. Then they come listen to the podcast. But I'm happy. I was really happy that to find out that y'all were part of this, this bunch. It's a small world in the anarchism sphere. It's a small world. Yeah. Well, and I'm also of the opinion that things happen when they're supposed to happen. That's true. And this happened when it's supposed to happen. So maybe this is when it needed to happen. So here we are. And I think people are going to enjoy this conversation. Sarah, thank you for the fantastic thread that started this conversation because people could really learn a lot from how you just laid out Christian anarchy to everybody. I mean, it's beautiful. You could probably write a little pamphlet actually. Oh man, that'd be a new thought. Write, write you a little pamphlet and people could just carry it around in their pocket. Little <laughs> reference guide. Oh, that'd be neat. Yeah. People could read, read from the pamphlet if they, people want to know more about what Christian anarchism looks like. Sarah's got it all on point right there. <laughs> all right, guys, really appreciate you coming on and I'll let y'all get out of here. Thanks for joining us this week on the Bad Roman Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you find your podcasts to never miss an episode. And while you're at it, if you like what you heard, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, it really helps people find us. 100% of donations are given to local charities in Memphis, Tennessee. To learn more about the Bad Roman Project and to find show notes, please visit thebadroman.com. Thank you.